Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey, it's Jason. Welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. I've got Cody Jefferson as my guest today. He is the founder of Embrace the Lion. If you follow him on Instagram, you know how cool this dude is. And we're going to have a great conversation today. So let me tell you a little bit about who Cody is. First and foremost, he is the dad of Stetson Foster Jefferson. He's his son's greatest influence and his biggest supporter. And as I said, he is the founder of Embrace the Line and another uh, mastermind called uh, the, the Roundtable, which we're going to talk a little bit about in the show today. And uh, he coaches and advises CEOs and business owners, entrepreneurs on scaling their business, growing their business, growing their impact, their influence, all without sacrificing their soul on the altar of their success, which is really interesting. So he's really focused on getting kingdom-minded guys to be all that they were called to be. Uh, currently, outside of his mastermind and his one-on-one coaching uh, sessions and his clients, with the, his one-on-one coaching clients, he sits on the boards of five different companies uh, as they're scaled to reach an exit valuation north of $5 billion. That's significant. He's an investor. He's a contributor writer, contributing writer to Forbes, entrepreneur, Rolling Stone, and he travels the country as an in-demand keynote speaker and uh, on subjects like, well, he talks about subjects like personal development. You, you're going to hear it in him today. He's obviously got that passion and that fire in his conversation. We're going to talk about how he became addicted to affirmation and how he went through a lot of trauma and how that trauma turned him into the person that he is today. He has a great definition of success you're going to want to listen to. So without any further ado, I want to introduce you to the one and only Cody Jefferson. What's up, Cody? Welcome to the show, man. Man, it's good to be here. I feel like this is a long time coming. It it is. You know, we got introduced through, uh, I think, a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've started doing the whole Instagram following and, and uh, you know, lo- watching each other from afar. And then I said, hey, man, we need to do some stuff together. So here we are. Got you on the show today. And you're actually coming to Nashville and not too far into the future for um, one of my mastermind workshops are going to be speaking. So that'll be the first time we lay eyes on each other in person in the physical reality. (laughs) Buy me a drink first. (laughs) Uh, We will definitely do that. You know, I just, um, it's funny how Instagram and social media and podcasting works. I was just at a, uh, speaking at an event last week in Costa Rica and the guy who hosts the event that invited me, I've been on his show. He's been on mine. We've never met each other in person until I get off the plane in Costa Rica and it's just so weird, you know, you, and I'm, I'm going to meet you live and in person for the first time here in yeah. about a month. So I'm excited to have our conversation today and find out who the Cody Jefferson dude really is behind all of the Instagram stuff and everything else you got going on. We want to know who you are. So 
There you go. The um, real Cody, like the real Jason Duncan. The real. That's Cody correct, Duncan. man. He's got. Yeah. It's got to be real. That's got to be real. Pull back, pull back the curtain, as they say. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this to kind of get right, get us started right out of the gate here. You said in your bio, which you gave me, and I just, I just read to everybody at the uh, top of the show, is okay. that you listed that first and foremost, you are a dad mm-hmm. to your little boy, Stetson Foster Jefferson. So why, and I've seen him, I've seen pictures of you guys hanging out. Obviously that you're a proud doting father. Yeah. Why is that such a big deal for you? That's who I am. That's what I do. My my greatest responsibility, one is to be responsible for myself and to, to have that autonomy. But in becoming a father, I'm responsible for shaping this young man's life. I'm responsible for raising a man. I'm responsible for setting the standard. And every day we're setting the standard. Every day. Every day, whether you're watching this or listening to this, you're setting the standard in your life. Now, whether that's one that you're proud of or not, that's up for you to decide. You know, we got four pillars in Embrace the Lion Head, heart, health, and habits, how we treat our thoughts, how we treat our body, how we treat our relationships, and then the container of how we treat our time. And so I recognize that, that this young man, it is not his school's responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not his friend's responsibility. It is my responsibility to raise a man. And so for me, everything revolves around living a life that I say that I live, living a life of integrity, right? Being physically strong and capable, being mentally strong and capable, spiritually strong and capable, relationally strong and capable, financially strong and capable. And all of that is mirrored through my son. So being an active, present father, not a father who builds a business on the back of his family, not a man who builds a business and tells his family when he's missing dinner and missing events that everything's for you. It's all for you. My son never asked me to build any of this. He never asked me to do any of these things. What he needs is a present loving father. So everything that I do is around identity confirmation. Right? Am I being the person who I say that I am? Every company that I say yes to, every endeavor that I say yes or no to, it's all about identity confirmation. Right? And so this is who I am. So this is what I do. And being a father is at the center of that. So everything in business revolves around my schedule as a dad um, and it's my schedule as a family man, period. Did you, um, is your father still with you to this day? He is. Do you have a good, deep relationship with him? We're great. We're great. So, so think, yeah. So speaking of my dad, I love my dad. My dad taught me more about work ethic than anyone outside of my grandfather. My dad was a single dad and uh, we grew up very simply. He worked very, very hard his entire life. Still works. He still works incredibly hard at 67 years old, runs a business here locally in Tulsa. And one of the things that I gleaned from him was one, my work ethic. And I think when, when you can look at your, you get to the point as an adult where you look at your father as, as a man who with the tools that he had and the resources and the mindset did the best that he could with what he knew based off of what his father knew. And growing up, my dad worked a lot. He still works a lot. We're talking crack of dawn till night. And there was a lot of things that he was not able to be present for. And a lot of what I heard growing up are the things that I tell you today that I don't want my son to experience. It's nothing against my dad, but that's great. It's just, I think that we can be objective and learn from our parents to say, 
this, I really, really want to take with me and I want to instill this. I want to instill this work ethic. I want to instill these principles. I want to instill the faith of my grandfather. I want to instill all of this into my son. But there's also a flip side of that, that I remember what it was to have a dad who wasn't able to be at the things that I wanted him to be at. Yeah. And that even now isn't able to be at most of the things for my son because he's tied to his business. And those are stories and those stories become our belief system that money is hard and that business is all consuming. And that if you want this, you have to sacrifice this. And when I started Embrace the Line in 2017, it was because I wanted something different and I wanted to share a different story with my son. Well, that's a good story, man. And I, you know, that's kind of, kind of what I, um, I didn't know, but I kind of expected that to be like, there was yeah. probably a good relationship with your dad, but yeah. the things that you see in that relationship that you want to make sure that Stetson has better, sure, uh, which is why you're so committed to it. And it's obvious that you're committed to it. I mean, anybody who follows you on Instagram or any social media sees that commitment. Obviously you're posting stuff about embrace the line, which sure. we'll talk about in a minute, but your boy is in there, man. How, how old is Stetson? He's eight years old. He is eight years old. And he is, man, he is the absolute best parts of myself and of his mother. And he, he is an incredible human being. And I don't just say that because he's my kid. Like, I genuinely just love spending time and shaping this young man into who he is. He's just, he's just an incredible soul. And uh, yeah, he's a blast. That's awesome, man. Well, I, I had to ask because you put that at the top of your bio, man. It's like, okay. That's it. The things we list first in the bio usually are pretty important to us. Yeah, uh, no, doesn't necessarily mean it is the most important, but but I knew it was important to you. So, well, let's uh, let's get into success. So this this show is all about it's called the root of all success, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into your success story. So from the outside looking in, as somebody who doesn't know specifically everything about your story, what you're doing, which we're going to find out today. You look like a successful guy. I mean, it, it seems like it. You know, whether you're faking it or not, I doubt it. But because it looks real and everybody I know about who knows you says this yeah. dude's legit. Yeah. But what makes you successful? I want to talk. I'm not talking. We'll talk about the definition of success later. But what makes you successful? Ask my son about me. So I, your relationship ask, with your boy, that's it. Ask Sarah about me. Ask Stetson's mom about me. Ask anybody you know about me. They're I really I They're live really that legacy. big of an influence, huh? Well, I, I live into legacy every single day. I am who I say I am. And that is success. Like that, that is, can you live into this life and live into legacy? Are you who you say you are? You know, confidence is nothing more than keeping your word to yourself. And we find purpose when we direct that towards a common aim. And so I'm the most successful person I know. There's people that make a little bit more money than me, for sure. For sure. But you know what I got that they don't have? Peace. And peace is highly undervalued. I agree with that 100%. Peace. Peace that passes understanding. Come on. Come yeah, on. Man. About to pass an offering plate. <laughs> <laughs> we need the, we need the uh, worship team to come up front. Go ahead yeah, and start. <laughs> come on. I sure am up. I sure am up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, I was so a pastor for 13 years. I think you probably knew that. You were, you say that one more time. I missed that. I was that. a pastor for 13 years. That's what I did before starting Embrace the Lion. You for and those I have, listeners who didn't know. You and I have that in common. I yeah. was a pastor for 13 years as well. That is so many people 
that I have, have walked with and become dear, dear friends have all had a stint in ministry. Uh, one of my best friends, Keith Yackey, was a pastor. Taylor Welch was a pastor. Very fascinating. So 13 years pastor, what was the first transition out of the, out of the role of ministry? Where did you go first? Yeah, so that was in 2017, and it was to start Embrace the Lion. Now, oh, I will okay. tell you, this was not a glamorous transition. I didn't, everybody talks about like the seven figures in six weeks thing, you know, six figures in six hours. I didn't have, like, I don't know, maybe I just didn't read the right book or something. I prayed all the right prayers, Lord, but uh, it just wasn't that sexy for me. Man, I stepped out of occupational ministry, no good scandal or no, nothing, nothing great. Uh, I just knew that I was called to serve in a different capacity that didn't operate inside the four walls of the church. Still deeply committed to the church, love the church, love God. People ask me what it's like to not be a pastor anymore. I'm like, I'm more a pastor now than I ever was. Mm. I just get to say more choice words. And, um, but I stepped out of occupational ministry and into starting Embrace the Lion in 2017. The original tagline was helping good men keep guns out of their mouths. That, from a marketing background, like that was really awkward on a shirt. So I changed that pretty quick. But uh, dude, it wasn't glamorous. I was flipping Harleys. So I've been a licensed mechanic for 20 years, licensed barber as well. So I was flipping Harleys out of my garage. I was doing haircuts out of my front room, giving guitar lessons, piano lessons, and vocal lessons out of my house. I was building websites, doing graphic design for local businesses and churches. And uh, I was also playing bars on the weekends that I didn't have my kid. All, but, but dude, I was making the burn. Like I was making my monthly burn and it was beautiful for me because I was doing exactly what I felt like that season needed from me which was a real death to self and, and building. So that was my first stint out of occupational ministry. Wedding glamorous or sexy, but it was fun. Well, so, so ministry 13 years yeah. and to starting embrace the lion. Yeah. And so embrace the lion for, for, for all of us to be clear. Yeah. You started with, Hey, keeping good guys, keeping guns out of their mouth, which yeah. I get the visual, I get the yeah. image. Yeah. But what was the whole purpose behind Embrace the Line? Yeah. So 13 years, I was, a, I was a pastor, right? And I guess in some ways I still am. But I got in, involved in ministry when I was 19. And I got involved in ministry. Not, I, I didn't have any burning bush moment. There was no like, you know, prophetic dream that I had. I was not going to church. I grew up in the church and grew up with everybody telling me that I had, you know, all these great plans for my life and all this potential that I was supposed to live up to, which as a kid, when you don't even know what that means, there's a lot of pressure to live into. You couple that with the fact that like, I really, for as, as great as my childhood was, there was a lot of lack. I didn't really develop a lot of self-esteem uh, because I didn't, I was always looking for that affirmation. One, because I didn't really find it in my family. We weren't verbal and I'm a words of affirmation person. I think all men are. and. So I was always seeking that affirmation. I was different in high school. I don't have the, I barely graduated, dude. I was top of my class. Um, I did very well academically, did very well in sports, did very well in art, did very well in music. And in a small sports-driven rural town of Oklahoma, what do you really do with a kid like that? So I was always just kind of searching for myself. And I got into ministry <laughs> haphazardly. I was managing a garage wrenching on cars in high school and the owner asked me to go to church. I'm like, no, nah, I've been there, done that. I grew up in a small Southern Baptist church. They don't like me very much. 
And uh, he invited me to coffee on a Saturday night and I said, all right, let's go. And bro, it was the first time I'd been to like a non-denominational charismatic megachurch and there's a coffee shop. One, I felt like a rug pull. I was like, you know, great, here we are. But this pastor came out who I resonated with deeply. Cool guy, rode Harleys. I'm like, all right, well, I can get into this Jesus. I don't know this Jesus. Who's this Jesus? And uh, we met afterwards. Man, he took me under his wing. We just hit it off. And before you know it, I'm up on stage leading worship. I'm leading the intro into service. I'm 19. I took over our kids' ministry at 19. I had no idea what I was doing. But in the mega church in the early 2000s, I looked the part. I was charismatic. I did love Jesus. I was really good with people. I was good with a microphone. I was good at singing and music. You're hired. Problem was, over those 13 years, I became addicted to affirmation. I became addicted to how useful I could be. Um, I didn't know where my identity stopped and started because God was my job and my job was God. So working 18 to 20 hours a day, I felt like if I stopped working, I was letting God down because everybody told me that I had all this potential and that God had this big plan for my life. So I felt like I could never shut it off. And it was just this cycle, this never ending cycle of never being enough. And I wasn't perfect. I come from a single parent household. I, I grew, grew up in a single bedroom trailer. It's called trailer trash as a kid. Like I don't have all these cool stories that all these other people have. I don't have all this stuff. And so I was trying to prove myself over and over and over again. I get married and we have a son. And again, the pressure to perform, I'm missing out on my son's first steps and I'm in the same home. And my, my, my son's mother asks in end of 2015 for a divorce. No good scandal or anything else. She's like, you're trying, but I'm faking it and I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. That was on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, go lead worship and teach. Two weeks later, I get a phone call while I'm leading worship that my 18 month old niece had been assaulted and was unconscious. She later passed away. The worst case of sexual assault to a minor on Oklahoma record led her funeral. Then I had another family member pass away unexpectedly of cancer led that funeral. Then my sister-in-law committed suicide, so I led that funeral. Then my mentor, 15 years, died in a motorcycle accident, so I led that funeral. And then one of my friends in ministry put a gun in his mouth, so I led his funeral. Then another one, so I led his funeral. My best friend took his own life, led his funeral on my 33rd birthday. Then my 19-year-old sister was strangled to death, and so I led her funeral, all while leading services and being all things to all people, and God's got a plan. And my body said, no. And I ended up going septic and my body shut down for three days on the third day. I did rise again though. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm just making a correlation that it did happen. Um, I was like 125 pounds. And, uh, I remember wheeling myself, like I took my little IV tree and I'm like bringing myself into the bathroom of this hospital where I wake up, I'm like having to close my gown because I'm naked underneath and I'm not trying to have any nurses stumble in their walk with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like covering myself up and I look and I'm like, well, who is this guy? Because I'm, I'm emaciated. And a nurse comes in, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm all right. How, who's been here? Because I've been making hospital visits every day for 15 years. Like who's, who's been here? Nobody. 
Oh, no indictment against anyone. That's okay. But I recognize like, there's nobody coming to save you, bud. And this is the legacy you live your son. He's not going to know you. He's two years old. But what he's going to say is, I don't know, but like my dad sure did kill himself trying to make everybody happy. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, uh, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the Root of All Success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. What Dub does, I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our uh, primary sponsor of the podcast. But they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built, Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, uh, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? <laughs> and 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door-to-door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the term in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram reels or TikTok or YouTube shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or, or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. Don't waste time on that. And, and by the way, if, you, if you're not confident in talking on video or if, or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the Zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They, they remove the awkward pauses. 
And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions, they add the relevant hashtags, and they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today and to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story, that's S-T-O-R-Y-Y, for 10% off your first three months to try story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. And so that's when I, I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, which has now become the anchoring question of all things Embrace the Lion. It's on the wall behind me, which is what needs to die in me to become the man that I said that I'd be. I mean, that's a lot, dude. That's a, <clears throat> that's a significant amount of uh, trauma to go oh. through. Yeah, yeah my, my body felt it. Yeah. And yeah. It, you know, what's interesting about that too is uh, the deeper kind of understanding of that for the listeners and for, I know you've already understood it, but is that what, what we allow to influence us or what we are influenced by, whether or not we allow it. I mean, you yeah. were, you were being influenced by death and, and these terrible things, these traumatic yeah. things were happening. They can have physical effects. As a matter of fact, nothing physical happens without first being a thought, something that happens in our minds and it turns into reality. Yeah. So we have to guard ourselves. And in your moment, your moments or days and weeks of going through that trauma turned into physical manifestation of, of, uh, yeah. of really, really bad stuff. But months, months the, and months and months of pouring from an empty cup. And this is so many of the people, it has to be so many of your listeners as well. Pouring from empty cups, serving, being all things to all people. And at the end of the day, you have nothing left. Yeah. Certainly not for yourself, but not even for your family. But in that moment, in that moment in the hospital, perhaps I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm projecting or guessing here, but that was the, that was that moment you said, yeah. you know what? screw this stuff, man. I'm not doing that. This is not, my son deserves more. I deserve more. And is that, is that when you made the decision to, to change and leave ministry and kind yeah. of go yeah, out that, on your own? That was the point. It, you know, it was, it was no, no ill against the church or anything else. I just recognize like I'm seeing friends around me take their own lives because of the same lack of identity and putting all their eggs in the identity of what it is that they're doing and the pressure to perform and be perfect and keep everything up and keep the perfect facade on social media and perfect facade in front of the church. And we can't talk about anything that's real because you can't talk about anything that's real because you're in leadership and your job is to lead and you can lead from a vulnerable place, but understand it has to be calculated vulnerability because if mm. people really knew the dark thoughts that you had, if people really understood that you actually don't know what the hell you believe, if, if people really knew the real you, they would not follow you. So keep it up. Mm. And I recognize that there's gotta be a different way to do this. Otherwise we're going to keep growing up in fatherless homes because good men are going to keep taking their lives or they're going to succumb to their addictions to numb and sedate this pain and frustration. And this idea that there's an expectation that they are called to live up to by some divine entity. And if they don't, they're a disappointment. So that was the point. You use the phrase addicted to affirmation. Yeah. What do you think? What does that mean? Well, I don't think that it's so profound. Addicted to the attaboys, 
addicted to the dopamine hit of a pat on the back, a job well done, not knowing that you're worth anything outside of what it is that you're able to produce. So you keep producing, even though the dopamine hit gets lower and lower and lower. So you work more and you work harder because what used to satisfy the fix doesn't satisfy the fix anymore. And the people around you that are closest to you that tell you that you're enough as you are, you don't believe them, not fully because they have to say that because they're close to you. No, I have to impress the people and get the accolades from the people who seem to be more important than me, which means that I need to make myself indispensable and indisposable, which means that I need to work harder and more than anyone else because I will show them that I am worth loving. And it's hell. When did you, uh, you said you, when you, you realized that you had this moment of realization and that's also part of your story why you left ministry. What 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 made you realize that? Because we all know awareness is the key to recovery. So when did you become aware of that? I saw it in my son. I saw my son seeking affirmation in the same ways that I was. And I recognized that this was a learned behavior that he had caught from me. And then if I didn't transform my pain, I would continue to transmit it to him. Mm. And that was something that I was unwilling to continue doing. And so I recognized that if this is a belief, if this is something that I hold true, and if I understand that a belief isn't necessarily true, it's just subjectively true to me. It's a thought that I hold captive. That I needed to deconstruct all of the things that I believed about my identity, including my faith, because I wasn't even sure what I believed anymore. Do I believe this because I actually believe it? Do I believe it because my grandparents took me to church every Sunday morning and put the fear of God into me? Do I believe this because I was taught to believe this? Do I believe this because I was paid to teach this for 13 years? Like, what do I actually believe? What do I actually believe about money? Do I believe that I'm not worth making more than $40,000 a year because that was my dad's salary growing up? Not understanding business and that that's a draw and that you can also write things off inside of the company. I didn't recognize any of that. I just need $40,000 and I'm not worth anything more than that because I don't work as hard as my dad. Is that true? Is that a true story? Is money hard? Is it scarce for people like us, for trailer trash that grew up on the wrong side of the Arkansas River? Is that true? Is it true that I can't have healthy relationships because in 39 years, my parents have never sat down and had a meal together. I've never, I've never seen them in the same room in my entire life. Is that true? Is it true that my family struggles with obesity and stress and anxiety and depression? And so I should as well. Is that true? Hmm. Is it true that I'm only valuable based on what it is that I can accomplish? Is that true? And if these, things, if these things do not have to be true, then what else could be true? And so if they don't have to be true, then who could I be? And what would that require? Not necessarily what would that require learning? What would that require unlearning? So embrace the lion. And you started Embrace the Line, leaving all that trauma behind and yeah. this addiction to affirmation behind. You start off to become a, an entrepreneur. Um, what role in Embrace the Line? Because I want to I want to talk about what Embrace the Line is like in the center of core. But what role did you see yourself playing as you moved out of ministry? Do you see yourself as a coach? Do you see yourself as a motivator? What what role did you see yourself playing in Embrace the Line as a as a brand? 
all of the above. I knew that there were skill sets placed inside of me, skill sets that you can't necessarily teach. There are giftings inside of me in ways in which I live and move and have my being that I take for granted. So many of you that are watching and listening to this right now, there are things inside of you, stirrings inside of your soul that are the very mechanisms that God will use to lead a movement, but you take them for granted. Mm. And so I, I recognized full well and recognize every single day. And I am grateful every single day. Start my morning every day with gratitude. But I knew that God wasn't done with me leading, that the pulpit was actually preparation for the platform that he was preparing the whole time. Coach, yes. Mentor, sure. Advisor, absolutely. Speaker, of course. Communicator, yes. Brother, absolutely. Father, without question. So tell, tell me a little bit about Embrace the Line as an organization. I, I, the way I read it in the, in the bio is that your coaching program is for kingdom-minded men yeah. in business to look to live their legacy. Yeah. So tell me about what that looks like. What is Embrace the Line? Tell sure. Yeah, so we are a coaching, obviously a coaching platform. Right? So we have several opportunities that we allow guys to walk with us. Uh, right now, we've got about 4,500 guys inside of our community. So we've got endeavors that are free. We have a mastermind that is a year long, and we have one-to-one -one opportunities to work with me as well. Mastermind includes other coaches that, that walk alongside you in various capacities. We base everything off of four pillars, which I mentioned earlier, head, heart, health, and habits, how you treat your thoughts, your beliefs, how you treat your relationships, how you treat your body, and how you treat your time. And so we believe that if you can change a man, you change his family. If you change his family, you change his neighborhood. You change his neighborhood, you change his community. You change the community, you change the city. You change the city, you change the state. You change the state, you change the nation. You change the nation, you change the world. We do that one man at a time. And so there are particular frameworks that we walk through uh, to ensure that our men are moving forward with integrity and with the vision uh, of, of what it is that they uh, are seeking to become who they're seeking to become and what it is they want in this life, right? So we help them define who they are, what they want, what is working and what isn't working in life and in business in every facet. We leave no stone unturned, right? What does it profit a man to gain the world and sacrifice his soul in the process? And so we say kingdom minded simply because I talk a lot about Jesus and faith is a cornerstone of my entire identity. And it really probably just wouldn't make sense. A lot of the principles that I talk about, if we didn't have a like belief system. That said, obviously I like to cuss a little bit. We like to let our hair down, ride Harleys and have fun. So. <laughs> and we all like to be in amazing shape, be amazing providers, protectors, and leaders of our homes. So what did the, where did embrace the lion come from? Is that a, is that an idea of like you see your, in yourself a lion? Is that what that means? Or is there some other meaning? <laughs> uh, do you, how candid do you want me to be? Let's go, man. So when I was in the hospital, um, I looked at myself and I was just so ashamed. Like this weak, pathetic, yes, man. This guy who couldn't say no to anyone, but in the process couldn't say yes to his own family. 
And I looked at myself, I'm like, dude, you are such a pussy. There is a lion inside of you. Lion of the tribe of Judah. And you're showing up like a domesticated house cat. You're a little bitch. <laughs> and that's where it started. And embrace the line of the tribe of Judah. That was just a really long email URL, so we'll just chop it. <laughs> so now you got 4,500 guys in this community. Yeah. You're lifting them up, helping yeah. them. And, and yeah, we uh, want to see we want to see 15 to 20,000 guys by the end of this year. Yeah. Man, that's killer. So is yeah. that mostly just like an online Facebook group community? Yeah, we've got a Facebook group and community that ascends into our brotherhood, which then ascends into a higher tier mastermind, which then can ascend into one-to-one with me, but that's on a case-by-case basis. And then after a year of working with me, if I'm also working on the um, inner side of your company and we're seeing the growth trajectory is substantial and I'm helping with staffing and coordinating things of that nature, then then it makes sense to look at the retainer plus board seat and equity either in the company as it stands or uh, points on the exit. So what is the round table? Round table is a year long mastermind. And that is for guys who are in business, who are looking to one, grow the profitability and the scale of their company, but also recognizing that there is something more for them. Most of our guys are dads and their husbands. So helping them in the framing of how they parent, how they live as a provider, how they cultivate and maintain intimacy inside of their relationship. Obviously, we are directed towards um, a higher power, which we all call God. And so being charitable and uh, living a life of generosity is at the forefront of that as well. We can get into the mechanics of the group if you want to get into the mechanics of the group. But as for who it is, these are guys who are usually 25 to 50 uh, running anywhere from larger sales positions where they're responsible for their own revenue or income generated of around 500, 750,000, all the way to guys who have companies valued at 20 to $35 million. Nice. Nice, man. So let's talk about the influence that these guys are dealing with in our society that you're helping them with. Yeah. What do you look at when you're, you're kind of analyzing what these guys are dealing with and how you can help them as a coach, as a provide, as a, as a mentor, as a coach, um, as a, if you're looking at this across the board, what are the things that you're seeing that you could say, this is what's happening to guys in our society? regardless of the fact that they're male, that this is people like what, what is happening to people in our society that embrace the line becomes a necessity to help them out of that. Well, I, I think everybody has an internal stirring that they are called to more, which is a very ethereal roundabout statement, right? How do you even quantify that? But there is a stirring in people's souls, but there's also a squashing of that stirring. Like mediocrity is the new norm. And for us, anything masculine is toxic, right? You're strong, toxic. You got a beard, toxic. You want to make money? You're capitalist, toxic. Oh, you believe in traditional family? Toxic, right? Oh, you want to raise your boy to be a man and you want to raise your girl to be a woman? Toxic. Oh, you believe in traditional family and that structure? Toxic. We hold a middle finger up to that in Jesus' name. And uh, we recognize that no, 
when shit hits the fan, we're going to be the ones that you call on because the world needs strong, capable, sturdy, resilient, confident, certain men, dangerous men. Yeah. Men who are willing to give violence a chance and understand that there is a line inside of them and they are ready to unleash that line at any point in time. But the greatest skill that they have is keeping it in a cage. That we will not settle for status quo. We will not settle for sappy Sunday morning bullshit. We will not settle for this is as good as it gets. We will not settle for this is as good as my family had it. So this is what I'm destined to No, We believe that we are called on purpose for purpose with purpose by purpose. And there is no one person, no thing that can stand in between what God has called us to. And together we rise. It is our responsibility to rise specifically in these uncertain times and all the pandering. We watch everything that's happening in the news. We watch the address last night, which is a complete joke and a complete farce of what our country could be. And we say, no, we will rise. That's what we stand for. We are a lighthouse for our communities. We are the men that our sons long to grow up to become and that our daughters look at as the model of who to marry, period. A lot of negative influences have been spawned over these last three years, don't you think? I mean, dude, I think it's crazy. Like, it's not even it's not even hidden anymore. It is in our face. I don't, we don't watch TV. Like we don't have cable. We don't do any of that. Um, we don't have a video game system in this house. I do not believe in video games. I'm not a fan of them. Um, I do not believe that adult men should be playing video games as a source of their entertainment. I believe that we have too many things to build and accomplish and conquer in this life um, outside of the dopamine driven false conquering of a new level of a video game. So we don't do any of those things, but there is a sedation that is happening. There's a numbing of what it is to be a man and a numbing of what it is to be a woman. And there are role and gender reversals that are happening and it is normalized. It is celebrated. I mean, it's not even that it's just accepted. It is celebrated now. Like you, you find kids who are, I was a youth pastor, you know, for a decade. And what's interesting to me now is you find kids who didn't fit in the way that they were. And so they decide, I think I'll just change my gender. And now they're the most popular kid in school because everybody wants to be woke about it. Like it is disturbing what our children are being like. We had a demonstration, which should have been an insurrection yesterday on our state's in our state's capital. Because we passed legislation that anyone 21 years or older cannot have gender reassignment surgery. You're not going to mutilate kids. 21 years or younger, you said, you said older, right? Yeah. If you're younger than that, we're we're not going to let you mutilate kids because there are states where kids can be, kids can, can elect for surgery and without parents' permission, same way they can get the pokey poke without it and not to get all political on anything, but this is normal now. Like, how did we get here? How, how, how did we get here? It is like the upside down world. I, you know, I, I, I'm with you, Cody. I, but I, but I also want to think that 
I don't think it's normal yet. I think they're trying. And I that's think that, I, I think that, the fringes, fair. I think the fringes of our society, the media certainly, um yeah. the doggone Hollywood and the music establishment, they are trying, they're being able to do things now yeah. out in the open that before would have been like, Are you crazy? We don't do that. We can say it's mainstream now. Yeah. It may it, not it be is, widely adopted. And that that I can but but it's mainstream now. It is shoved in our faces unapologetically as agenda. Yeah, it is crazy. And I just think that 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 I don't know too many people personally over the last three years who stood strong through all the BS that we've been through. I don't know too many people. And I, what's and that's sad because I know people who believe what you believe, what you just yeah. said, what I believe. But but there weren't a lot of people going, no, we're not we're not falling for this crap. We're not dealing with it. We're not doing it. And really, to the contrary, I saw some people that I thought I knew and respected fall in line. And I'm thinking, oh. how disappointing. I mean, listen, I've lost, I've lost friends over the last three years just because I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were, I didn't know you thought that way. So oh. I guess we're not friends anymore. Same, same. It's crazy. I've lost several friends that I used to be in ministry with because as the church continues to lean more and more progressive, and I am not, like, I, we just, we, we, we lose friendship. We lose community. Can't tell you how many flights because I flew, you know, through the past three years. I got kicked off more flights. I got handed no fly with American Airlines because I wouldn't wear a mask. Yeah. Like, why? I would fly with my son and he can't hear me. So I'll pull my, I'm pulling this off to talk to him. No fly. Really? Yeah. Silly. It's crazy, man. Well, so you've been, you've made a successful turn. Yeah. So you, you spent those 13 years and you yeah. dealt those last few years. Yeah. With a lot and listen, of that season was amazing. I loved every minute of being in, in occupational ministry. Absolutely. The people, the students, the families, the, the ways in which we were able to influence and impact this community um, and the world through the ways in which we gave. I would not be who I am without the seasoning of the church. So I want to make sure like that was just a successful season for me because I, there was so much that I learned through it. Yeah. You know, I think you and I have similar, uh, maybe you're a little bit more cheery about it than I was. I was happy to get out and didn't really miss a whole lot about it, Yeah, but, I, but I did, you know, it formed who I am and who yeah. I, who I've become, um, but but you've been you've made that successful turn out of ministry, embrace the line, and you 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 started this program, and it's in just five short years, man. You've six, almost six. You've really um, you've you've accomplished a lot. You've been very successful at it. So I want to ask you this question: How does Cody Jefferson define that word success? Because everybody's got different definitions. What's your definition? Being the man that I'm called to be. Which means, again, what we said in the beginning of this show, just ask my son about me. With that as a definition, being the man you're called to be, do you consider yourself to be successful? I'm the most successful man I know. <laughs> again, because if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and love who you are, you can, listen, you can build big businesses, you can do a lot of things, but if you sacrifice your integrity, you sacrifice your confidence. You don't keep your word to yourself. 
You lose your family in the process. You lose God in the process. You're just broke with money. Yeah. How do guys unlock that? You know, if, if you've unlocked it, you figure you went through a lot of trauma and a lot of crap mm-hmm. to get where you are. Uh, I'm hoping you don't believe that we all have to go through that to get to where yeah. you are, but how do we unlock that type of success in our lives? Join embrace the lion. <laughs> and send your money to P.O. Box one. <laughs> Put your hand on the screen and you will be healed. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would say genuinely it's taking audit just because things are certain ways doesn't mean that they have to be. So often we create scenarios and circumstances and lifestyles to confirm a suspicion that we have and confirm a belief system. And we assign meanings to things that really have no meaning. So I would say to take an audit, take an audit of your beliefs, take an audit of where you are, take an audit of what you want and who you are. And there's going to be a gap. There's going to be a gap between where you are and who you are and who you wish to become and what you want as a result of that. And purpose, purpose isn't like we've done a really great job of creating a commodity out of that word, the church and personal development. But purpose isn't something you find. You're not going to find it in a book. You're not going to find it under a rock. You're not going to find it going to church. You're not going to find it praying more. You're going to find it by defining the moments of your life and living into it with integrity. That's all purpose is. Purpose is defining who I am, what I want, and walking toward it with intentionality every single day. Removing those emotional constraints of fear and anxiety that keep us in a proverbial pattern of staying stuck because the brain loves patterns and familiarity. When you can surpass that and when you can understand the brain's job and what it's meant to do, then you can turn that distress that you would normally feel in the growth process into eustress, and now everything becomes a game. And it's a game of ascension. But that means in order to ascend, what has to happen first? You must die. Nobody wants to die because it's messy. We sing songs about it on Sunday. We think it's really cute, but nobody actually wants to go to hell and back in order for the resurrection to take place. But that is exactly what must happen. That doesn't mean that you have to go through a a myriad of trials and traumas. On the contrary, you could sit down today and you could define the fruit. Just what is the fruit of my life? And what are the dead branches? And what needs to be cut away? And where you don't know the answers to those questions, you find and you seek accountability and you seek counsel. That That is why I do what I do. Because you can be completely honest with yourself and still not be telling the truth. And the truth is what will set you free, regardless of how you feel about it. Your bank account tells me the truth about your finances. A mirror and you standing in front of it naked tells me the truth about how you care about your body. Talking to your family with you not present tells me the truth about the intimacy of those you hold closest. Intention means nothing. Your honesty means nothing. The truth means everything. Hmm. That's good, man. Cody, Sorry. this is good. This is. I'm looking forward to uh, meeting you in person in uh, Nashville in about a month. You're going to be here speaking to my mastermind, the Exeter Club. But uh, I want to invite everybody to go go follow uh, Cody on Instagram. It's Cody underscore Jefferson. Uh, if you're on Facebook, it's Michael Cody Jefferson. 
And you can also look his, his group up, Embrace the Lion, Embrace the Lion on Facebook. Cody, is there any other way that you want people to get in touch with you? Those would be the three primary ways. All right. So go follow Cody on Instagram, Cody underscore Jefferson. Check out Embrace the Lion. Cody, I'm going to ask you for one one last question before we sign off for the yeah. show today. If uh, you, you've got some advice to give and there's a guy, there's a girl sitting there right now in their car, they're walking their dog, they're exercising in the morning, they're listening to this podcast and they're looking for a little, a little encouragement, a little tip to do something better in their life as an entrepreneur, because that's who mostly listens to the show. Yeah. What does Cody Jefferson, what's that one tip, that one little piece that you would give that person today? God is not done with you. And everything that is happening in this moment is happening for you. Remember, we chose this. We chose this. Do you have stress in your life? You chose it by choosing to be an entrepreneur. If it gets to be too much, there's lots of jobs. You can go do something else. But you chose this. And you chose this because there's a capacity inside of you and a calling inside of you to serve. But you can't pour from an empty cup. So I'd have you consider that if you find yourself in a position where you're feeling a little dry, a little empty, that it might be time to take a few moments and to fill up your own cup, to speak life into your own soul in the ways that you speak it into others. Because all of this is happening for you, everything you've experienced up to this point is all creating a seasoning that can only be cultivated through time and experience and frustration and pain. That, 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 is what, that is what creates character. God's not done. That's good. Well, Cody, thank you for, uh, for sharing your story today, sharing, being a little transparent on some of this stuff and, yeah. and uh, being raw. Thank you for that. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you soon here in Nashville. Thanks, Same. Cody. Well, there you have it. Another very successful guy talking about how he built a pretty amazing coaching platform in five short years, serving over 4,500 different guys around the world. If you want to know more about Cody, like we said there at the end, go to look up Embrace the Lion on Facebook. You can Google it. Uh, you can look up Cody on Instagram at Cody underscore Jefferson. Lots of stuff to follow and see there. But, you know, are you addicted to affirmation like Cody was? Are you addicted to those attaboys? And if so, why don't you look at what that really means about who you are? Awareness is the key to recovery. So you got to become aware of it first. And then once you become aware, seek out people like Cody, seek out coaches, masterminds, seek out people that can help you get beyond that, to live the life that you were called to be and not just be somebody looking for accolades, somebody looking for affirmation. And if you've gone through trauma like Cody, you know, don't, don't, don't have an improper perspective. Because with every adversity, there's the seed of the equivalent benefit. There was some seed of a benefit in that trauma that Cody went through right there in the hospital when he was at his worst and he felt pathetic and he felt lonely and he felt like a failure. You know, he saw that and took that as an opportunity to move it to the next level in his life. You can do the same thing. Don't let that trauma define you and keep you down. I want you to continue to listen to the show. Tune in again next time when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success 
with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at the real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.